Good morning. Glad to see everybody here this morning. Um, all of our songs are going to be in your blue books, so I'm going to ask if you'll take one of those and turn to page 199. We're going to sing the first, second, and fifth verses of I Will Sing the Wonder Story, page 199 in your blue book. everybody who's able to, if you'll stand.
seated. And then if you'll turn to page three, we're going to sing the first and last verses of How Great Thou Art on page three. when we call. Please be with us in the preaching hour. Help us learn more about you and be drawn closer to you and share what we learn. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. I want us to take this slow as we go through these next few chapters here. Remember the first part of uh, Romans up through chapter 5 mainly talks about justification. Uh, justification just really means that we've been made right with God. When God sees you and I in Christ, He says, not guilty. We've been justified. And Paul makes a case for that in the first five chapters of this book. That we're justified, how? By faith. By faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's all. 
Not a thing you and I can do to be made right before God. Jesus did it for us. You believe that, you're justified. That's it. So as we move into chapter 6, and we'll go through chapter 8, we're, we're looking more at sanctification. Now what is sanctification? Sanctification means to be pure, to be holy. It means to be set apart for a special service. Just like this offering plate right here. You could say it's sanctified in the respect that it is set apart for one thing, and that is to receive the offering that you give to God. That's what it's for. You don't come up here and throw trash in it. It's not just for common use. It's set apart for something particular. When you and I become Christians and we're justified by faith, now we're sanctified. The Spirit of God comes in us. We become a new creature in Christ. We're set apart. For service to whom? To Jesus, to God. And and that's what we're for. We're set apart for a, a specific and special purpose. To serve the Lord. And that's what this next few chapters is going to focus in on is our sanctification. Sanctification is something that happens to us in one sense immediately as we're saved. When the Spirit of God comes into us, we're set apart for service. The working out of that service is a progressive thing. It's something that happens to us over time. We are learning how to serve the Lord. And as we go through this, we'll see there's a, there's a conflict in our lives. Yes, we are a new creature in Christ, but we still carry around the remnants of sin in our mortal bodies, in our mortal minds. And we have a conflict there. And so the process of sanctification on this earth is learning how to say no to those sinful tendencies that still dwell in our mortal bodies and say yes to God and to the Holy Spirit. Now, I've been a Christian for 50 years. I realized this year that I've been a Christian for 50 years. You know, in the, in the Bible, in the Old Testament, it talks about the Jews celebrating something called the year of Jubilee. If anybody's familiar with that, raise your hand. The year of Jubilee. You know, it happened every 50 years. And it was a time of, of new beginnings. You know, the slaves were set free. Debts were forgiven. It was a time of new beginnings. And although that really has nothing to do specifically with the Christian faith, it did make me think, you know, I'm in my year of Jubilee. And so I've been reflecting some this, this year about where has God brought me from? Where am I at now in the Lord? And where is it that I want to be? And, and in a sense, I feel like, well, maybe I could view this as a time of new beginnings for me in my Christian faith. Although we have new beginnings with the Lord all the time, His mercies are renewed every morning, the Bible says. And in Christ, we have a continual forgiveness and a continual opportunity to confess our sins. And He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If I sin at this very moment and I become conscious of that and I'm convicted of it, I can confess it. 
Because the Bible says I have an advocate with the Father. And God will cleanse me. We just keep going. Because I'm justified by faith in Christ. God sees me just as if I'd never sinned. Amen? Amen. (laughs) So we move in here to chapter 6. And like I said, I want to take this slowly because if you're like I am... You're saved, and and this is where we live as Christians. We want to know how can I serve God and be a faithful Christian to Him? How how can I find myself uh, living more for Him and saying yes to God more and no to sin more and and sinning less? So I I want us to take it it sort of slow. But anyway, I'm going to begin reading again with verse 1 just to get our minds where they need to be. Remember, in in the last part of chapter 5, he said that where sin did abound, grace abound much more. So then the question comes up in verse 1 of chapter 6, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus were baptized into His death. Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should also walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of His death, we shall be also in the likeness of His resurrection. So just a reminder, what he's saying here is that it is an impossibility for those who have been truly saved to continue to live in sin. Why? Because if you put your faith in Christ, you're putting your faith in His work of redemption for us. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4, Paul says that the gospel is to believe in the death, the burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. So when Jesus Christ died on the cross, He didn't just die for us, He died as us. We died with Him on the cross. He died to sin, we died to sin. I wasn't with Adam and Eve the day that they chose to disobey God in the garden, were you? But they made a choice for every one of us. In Adam, all sinned. I sinned in Adam. In Christ, my sins are forgiven and all paid for. Why? Because as the Bible teaches us, we were crucified with Christ. When you believe in Christ then what He did for you becomes effective in your life. We are identified with His death. He died to sin, we died to sin. We are identified with His burial. You only bury dead bodies. Jesus Christ's body was dead for three days. He was alive. He was with the Father. But his body was dead, okay? The Spirit on the third day raised his body up, <clears throat> gave him a glorified, eternal human body. Amen. 
And he lives in that glorified body forever. That's what we have to look forward to, is in Christ, spiritually speaking, in Christ, we died to sin. We were buried, showing that we died to sin. And as he was raised, spiritually speaking, we were raised with him as well. The Spirit of God is in us, just like in Christ. And His Spirit in us gives us what? New life. The Bible says in Christ, old things have passed away, all things have become new. The Scripture says that we are new creatures in Christ. We are not the people we used to be. We are not the beings that we used to be. And as Christ now has a glorified body, one day you and I, when this body is, is dead, the body dies, one day we will be resurrected, given a glorified body like Christ has, and we will live in that glorified body forever with God. Amen? That's our hope. That's why it's important to, to believe that Jesus Christ came in the flesh. He came as a human being and died as a human being to sin. He was sinless, but he took our sins upon him. So he starts here in verse 6. We're going to see four things this morning that you have to know. We've, so we've been freed from sin because of what Christ has done for us. And I want you to see that living this life uh, of freedom from sin it is a matter of faith. We're, we're saved by grace and faith. We're kept by grace and faith. We, we live by faith. The Bible says the just shall live by faith. And it doesn't just mean faith for salvation, for justification. You have faith for your sanctification. You have faith for your glorification. So I want you to see there's four things here that we have to show our faith in in order to be living this sanctified life that is free from sin. And first thing he tells us that there's something that we have to know. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him that the body of sin might be destroyed. That word destroyed there means to be rendered idle. To be rendered entirely idle. Like an automobile, you put it in neutral, the engine's running, you put it in neutral, what's it doing? It's idling, right? It's been rendered Entirely idle. It can go nowhere. Has the, the engine has no effect on that automobile at that moment in time because it's been rendered idle. Does that make sense? In Christ, sin has been rendered entirely idle to you and me. That's what he says here, that the body of sin might be rendered entirely idle or destroyed, that henceforth we should not do what? Serve sin. <clears throat> now, as lost people, we are just like animals. We have a body, a soul, and a dead spirit. 
Animals have no spirit. Animals have a body and a soul. Animals can have instincts and those kind of things. They can learn, do things like that. But they're not like humans. They don't have a spirit or a soul. I mean a a spirit. They have a soul but no spirit. In other words, they have a mind and, and ability to do those kind of things, but they have no connection with God in their inner being. Does that make sense? The spirit is where we have a connection with God. Adam and Eve were made to have a fellowship with God. And God fellowshiped with them until they sinned. When they sinned, their spirit died immediately. Why? Because God's spirit left their spirit. They sinned. To sin is to be separated from God. So we are born in this world like Adam was after the fall. We have a soul, a body, and a dead spirit. How do I know that? Ephesians 2 says that when we're saved, God quickens our spirit. He makes it alive. It's dead. Now He's made it alive in Christ. His Spirit comes into our spirit and now we're reconnected with God. John 3 calls that being born again. That's the words our Savior and Lord used. Born again. Born again with a new spirit that has the Spirit of God in there and now you can have communion and fellowship with God. Isn't that wonderful? So we become a new creature. We're not like everybody else now because we've been born again. We're twice-born people. As Adrian Rogers used to say, but we're living in a once-born world. So we don't fit in anymore. Now, as lost people, since we don't have the Spirit of God in us, we're disconnected from God. And there again, you could say that that's what sin is, is being disconnected or separated from God. Remember the the Scriptures tell us that sin is what separates us from God. Your iniquities have separated you from God. Sin separates us from God. So you come into this world and we live our lives just like animals. We we make decisions and we we go off our instincts and, and we reason and decide to do things based on the environment around us. See what I'm saying? We're sensual. We, we don't have any kind of connection with God, so we just make decisions based on what seems right to our instincts, what others are doing. So, we, and, and you know who's in control of all that? Sin. Sin is our master. We serve sin, and, and we can't do anything about it. And it don't matter if you're doing good things or bad things. You know, Human beings can classify things as good or bad. Remember the tree of the knowledge that was in the garden? It was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? And so we can see lost people today that don't have God in their spirit at all, but we classify them as good people. They do good things. They're involved in the community. They help others, whatever the case may be. But they're lost. They're still sinners. They still don't have that ability to connect with God. So we serve sin. Sin is our master. 
And I think that's what he's talking about here when he says the body of sin. We live with a body that has a soul, no evidence of God at all, no connection with God at all. We're sold out to sin. Whatever sin tells us to do, we do. We serve it. That's our master. And we can't help it. And so our body is dedicated to serve nothing but sin. It's easy for us to see that when someone goes out at night and gets drunk and commits a robbery or a murder or whatever the case may be, it's easy for us all to say, that's wrong. That's sin. It's harder to see it in people that might be giving away millions of dollars to charities and to hospitals and whatever the case may be. They appear to be good people, but yet you never know their motives. And no matter how genuine they might appear to be, they still, if they're lost, there's selfish motives in there. They can't help but be because they're sinners. God doesn't differentiate sin by the activity. He looks at the heart. If you tell a lie, it doesn't matter. Look, we like to say, well, it's a big lie or a little lie. It's a white lie or a black lie, right? God says it's a lie. There ain't no little lie and big lie in God's eyes. It's a lie. And if I tell you one lie, that makes me a liar. If I go out here and steal somebody's automobile, we say, oh, that's, that's, you're a thief. That's terrible. You shouldn't do that. What if I steal my neighbor's answers off of their test and cheat on my test? Still stealing, isn't it? The consequences are different, but the action is the same. The heart is the same. So that's what I want you to understand is that as lost people, no matter how it appears to you and me, to God, it's all sin. Why? Because it's all in rebellion to God. Lost people out here today are trying to live their lives in their own power and strength for their own glory apart from God. That's sin. And that's the body of sin that he's talking about here. Now on the cross, if your faith is in Jesus Christ right now as your Lord and Savior, listen, that person was crucified on the cross with Christ. That old man, as the Bible calls it, that old person that old unregenerate person that could do nothing but serve sin died or was rendered entirely idle to sin during Christ's crucifixion. So now, I'll use myself for an example. As a saved person, I am no longer a slave to sin. Before I was saved, I couldn't do nothing but sin and I had no choice but to sin. Now I have a choice. 
I'm not a sinner anymore. I'm a saint. And I don't say that to boast me and build me up. I'm not a saint by what I do, okay? And how I live. I'm a saint because the Scripture says in Christ, I'm sanctified. I'm set apart for a special purpose. Even even in the book of Corinthians, you read the books of Corinthians and see how sinful that church was. Paul still called them saints. Okay? Saints is a position. It has nothing to do with actions. It's not something you earn years after you're dead and the church bestows it upon you. When you're saved, God says you're a saint. So you're a new creature. I hope I'm not belaboring this point. I hope I'm not going on too much with this. I want you to understand it because it's so important. I'm telling you today that the way you and I live our life has far more to do with what we understand from this Word and what we believe from this Word than anything we could ever try to do. When your thinking's right, your belief's right, when you know who you are in Christ, your life will change. Your actions will change. Because we live by what we believe to be true, right? Every action we make is determined by what we believe to be true. So when you believe in right and you believe and understand the Scriptures correctly, your living will change. Your behavior will change. So I want you to understand today that if you're saved, you are no longer a slave to sin. The body of sin has been done away with. It's been rendered entirely idle because you're no longer a slave to just blindly serve sin. And the Bible says that you have to know that. You have to know this. Because if you don't know this, listen, if you don't know what I'm telling you, you're going to continue to struggle in a greater way with this and not understand why. It's why you are like you are. (laughs) Why you do what you do. You have to know this. Verse 7 says... For he that is dead is freed from sin. A dead person is freed from this world. When you die, when our bodies die, we're set free from the the troubles and trials and worries and cares and concerns of this world. Praise God in Christ, we go to be with Christ. When you, when you have died to sin, guess what? You're set free from sin. You're no longer a slave to sin. He says, now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. Death has no more dominion over him. Christ died only once to sin. Sin and death, and I don't I shouldn't, maybe that ain't the way I should say that, for sin. (laughs) 
He died for our sin. He had no sin. I want you to understand that. Jesus Christ had no sin. But he died once for our sin and conquered the, the, the penalty of sin, if you will, the wages of sin, which is death. He died once to that. He was buried, resurrected. Only had to do that one time. In the same way, if we died and was buried and resurrected with him, it's a once and all, once and for all deal. We die with him once to sin. We no longer have to serve sin. And he says, death has no more dominion over him. For he, verse 10, for in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Now, the, the, in the Greek, uh, the, the verb died, both in both places there is in a tense it's it's in an aorist active uh voice aorist tense active voice which just simply means that it, it was just a one-time simple act he died once and it was active meaning that it didn't it wasn't forced upon christ he was in control of it he's the one that did the dying you understand what i'm saying remember jesus said nobody takes my life I lay it down. When Jesus said, it's finished, when all the sins of everybody was paid for, then He said, Father, into Your hands I commend My Spirit. Right? He was in control of that. Don't ever forget that. Nobody killed Jesus. Jesus died for you and me. He gave His life. But listen, this word liveth, this verb liveth, both of those are in the present active tense, which means that it's a continuous or repeated action. He died once to sin, but lives to God forever. And there again, it's in the active voice, which means he's in control of it. Now, so we need to know that, okay? We need to know that in Christ we are dead to sin we've, we've, been, we've been freed from sin we're dead to sin just like Christ he died, we died with him we've been set free from sin does everybody have that down? we've been set free from sin in Christ, okay? you don't have to serve it anymore the old man will tell you that you do. The old man will try to make you believe that you do. But you don't have to anymore. So know that. That's important. Know that. We're not going to get through this today. But know that. Then he says to do something else. He says you reckon. Now I think Paul was a southerner. Because he says y'all. And he says reckon. And he talks about Minding, you know, us, us southern folks, you know, that youngin' don't mind me like they used to. You know, we know what that means. I think he was a southerner. But this word reckon here doesn't mean reckon like we talk about it in, in, in the South always. It's really an accounting term. It's an accounting term. And, and it means to calculate. That's what it means. It means to calculate. 
it's, it's got the idea of, of you calculate something in order to apply it to your account. Okay? Let me tell you how this works. We do it every day. When I write a check for a certain amount of money, <laughs> it's because I reckon that I have enough money in there to cover that check. And that reckon don't mean that I, I, I think so. It means I know so because I've calculated it. You know, we used to do that. These younger folks don't have a clue what it is to keep a checkbook register and have to balance your checkbook every month. We used to do that, you know. You calculated it out. And you reckoned that there's this amount in there. So as long as I don't go over that, I'm okay. And we do it today. We, we use that check card or that debit card because we calculate, according to the app on our phone, we calculate that the bank says there's enough money in there to cover that. So by faith, we use that card. Isn't that right? It's by faith. By faith, you use that card because you reckon that everything will be all right with it. Now that's what he's telling us here to do. He says, likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So knowing that you've been freed from sin, you're no longer a slave to sin, knowing that, then calculate or count on the fact that being free from sin, that you are indeed, and that word indeed means in fact, that you are in fact dead to sin. So you don't have to serve it anymore. And he says, but alive unto God. And how are you made alive unto God? Through Jesus Christ. Now, that's right. I'm glad you said that. Because you'll only see that in a Bible that was translated from the Textus Receptus or the majority text. You won't read that in these newer translations of the Bible. It just says, unto God through Jesus Christ. Now, years ago... I would have argued and said, well, what's the big deal? You know, you understand who he's talking about. If you're saved, you know Jesus Christ is Lord. But you know how I feel about that now. I think the Lord, I don't think the Lord accidentally used the wrong text of Scripture for 1,900 years. Okay? I just don't believe that. I think that the Texas Receptus is still the one. That's the one I want to go by, okay? And I think it's very important that it says, Our Lord. Because here again, it's important to know that Jesus is God come in the flesh. Apart from that, this don't work. Early on after the church was formed, 
the Gnostics began to teach something that they called docetism, I think is the way you pronounce it. It was just to say that, that, that Jesus didn't have a human body, okay? He was just a, a, he was God, he was a spirit, but he didn't have a human body because God couldn't be in a human body. Well, that destroys all this. If, if Jesus did not die as a human, if he did not die in human flesh, then our sins weren't paid for. The wages of sin is death. And yes, it brings death to our spirit, to our soul, and also to our bodies. You see all this white hair I have? <laughs> Believe it or not, I used to not have that. <laughs> I used to have a head full of brown hair like he's got back there. And a big old dark beard too. <laughs> That's evidence that my body is dying. Okay? Yesterday working some, getting down, getting up, getting down, getting up, getting down, getting up. Last night, my body told me that it ain't what it used to be. It hurt. <laughs> That's evidence that I'm dying. Okay? The wages of sin is death. Jesus had to pay for our sins in human flesh. So you can't just say, and look, He had to be God in order to be perfect. If Jesus had been born just a man, and it was later that that was taught, the Gnostics began to teach that Jesus was just a man. And that for the three years that he was doing his ministry, this Christ spirit come upon him. And then this Christ spirit left him when he died on the cross. And believe it or not, there's people today that claim to be Christians and claim to be part of the church that literally teach that Jesus went to hell as a human man, fought the devil as a human man, won a victory over sin, and come back from that. And that you and I, by following his example can have that same victory. Remember, Brother Jesse told us about one of them, Kenneth Copeland. Said that God told him that if he'd have just understood what Jesus understood, he could have done the same thing. Blasphemy. <laughs> He's not God. So Jesus had to be a man. He had to be human in order to take on our plight of being lost in sin and he had to be God in order to be perfect and sinless because God would only accept a sinless sacrifice only a perfect lamb without blemish that's all he could accept so you see this phrase right here is very important if you say through Jesus Christ you're just talking about the human part of him see what I'm saying it's more than that. It's through Jesus Christ, our Lord, God. When the Scriptures say, and we'll read it in here, where He says that you have to confess, you have to believe that Jesus died, you have to believe that Jesus 
was raised from the grave and confess that He is Lord. That means you have to confess that He is God. He is the God-man. He's unique. And you cannot be saved believing in Jesus Christ, the man. And you cannot be saved believing in Jesus Christ, some godly heavenly spirit that never took on human flesh. You can only be saved through believing that our God loved us so much that He took on human flesh and become one of us, perfect as He was, took our sin upon Him, took our punishment, died, was buried, and resurrected from the grave and lives forever as our Savior and Lord. That's the only way you can be saved. And let everybody in this world call me narrow-minded and intolerant and whatever they want to call me. I will never stand down from that. I will never stand down from that because that is my hope. Because I know that because He lives, I live. I know that because He was resurrected, I'll be resurrected. I know this old gray hair will be gone one day. And this old aching arthritic body will be better one day. It'll be cured. He won't have no problems anymore. And it's because my hope is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. We're going to quit right there. So we got to two things. Two things. By faith, know you've been free from sin and calculate on that as you live your daily life knowing that you no longer have to serve sin but you are free to serve God. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank You for the Word. I just pray, God, that You will take this and multiply it in our minds and our hearts for Your glory. Help us to understand it. Holy Spirit, apply it to our lives for the glory of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.